Metallicers. Speaking Destroy is the podcast featuring interviews about Metallica. My guest this episode is Stern Pinball Senior Director of Licensing and New Business Development, Jody Dankberg, who is directly responsible for the awesome Stern Pinball machines involving Game of Thrones, Kiss, and Metallica, among others. As one of the founders of Crank Amplifiers, he was particularly close with the late Dimebag Daryl. Jody talks about his career in music, including the story behind the Metallica pinball machine. Remember, a great way to support this podcast is via Patreon. Patreon supporters get access to exclusive bonus episodes called from my interview archives. You can also support the show by going into Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and writing a nice review. Well, I don't know why that was a roller coaster. You could write a review like this one from Dave Zig. Rock Relevant. I pretty much follow anything Ryan Downey is involved with. He's an industry veteran, so it doesn't get much better than here. By far my favorite listen. Thanks, Dave Zig. Youngman6 says, love the Rob Flynn episode. Listening to Rob's perspective, someone who was right there in the thick of it. Great idea for a podcast. Introverted Art says, for fans of Metallica and metal in general, this is a great podcast with great guests. Although Metallica is the focus, the interviews tend to go in different and interesting areas. Give it a listen. You can find Speak and Destroy at speakanddestroy.com, and you can follow Speak and Destroy on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. And please subscribe to this podcast and the others in the Pop Curse Podcast Network, including Pop Curse, which features musicians talking movies, and No Prize from God, featuring conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. So here it is, my conversation with Stern Pinball's Jody Dankberg. This is Speak and Destroy. Jody, we first met through the music instruments gear world. You were working in artist relations at Washburn Guitars at the time. And in my role as manager for Demon Hunter, uh, both guitar players in Demon Hunter were playing Washburns. Uh, funny, funnily enough, it's been so long that neither guy is in Demon Hunter anymore. And, <laughs> and Demon Hunter has had the same lineup now for like a decade so <laughs> it's been is pa- well wait is patrick still oh in did the- you work with patrick okay yeah the- i got patrick at the end and what a awesome dude he's the best well that must have been right when he joined then because he joined the band in 2000 it was it was t- very the, the end of my previous life and, that makes uh, sense yeah. yeah awesome so, dude and so- one of my favorite one of my favorite bands and it maybe we would have gotten to that demon hunter signature guitar if uh if the economy hadn't uh, oh indeed taken indeed that was that was right that was right when the uh, the last time the economy crashed <laughs> Yo, yeah so many times in our lifetime it's hard to keep track so cool we were so blessed to be born in the 70s <laughs> gen x yep, yep. uh so 
tell me, and this is going to be new for me. Mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about your background in terms of how you ended up working in the music instruments industry, uh, also known as NAM World, or as I like to call it, Comic Con for roadies. Oh yeah, and you know, and then of course, let's bring that into your transition into pinball. Absolutely. So um, yeah, you met me. Uh, well, I had to been ten, twelve years ago. Um, <laughs> At least more than that, I think. Music industry, music industry world. Um, you know, I I played guitar since I was twelve years old. I love guitar. I love you know punk rock kids, skateboarder. You know, I love I love uh, you know grew up on Metallica and Maiden and Judas Priest and all the you know everything everything in between. And oh, we'll get and, there. Uh, we'll jump we'll jump backwards. <laughs> yeah, and then um, you know, and I I played in bands. You know, you know, tour locally, kind of tour tour regionally. I was in one band that got to tour, you know, all over the country. So, so I went to college um, in Arizona, at Arizona, in Arizona State, and I, my, I got a sociology degree because I thought I was going to play guitar in a band. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get a, I'll, I'll, I'll do something I'm interested in, you know, at, mm-hmm. in college, but I'll, I'll play guitar. And I graduated college, still just playing in a local band, and uh, I, I worked. I went to work for my father. So my father, one of my big heroes. Uh, he he uh, he had an ad advertising agency at the time, and I went to work for my. Oh, dad. Oh, that's right. Your dad was Don Draper. I forgot. Yeah, he was a Don Draper. He was a madman, <laughs> and um, he was awesome. And so I remember, and he had this division of the business that sold direct mail. So I remember he he had he had me there the day after graduation, and there was a uh, you know yellow legal pad and a telephone and a pencil, and the phone book A through M. <laughs> uh, he, we had a little talk at his office and then he sent me loose and I really owe a lot of my skills today and things that I did in the music industry to the time that I spent with my father that those couple of years learning how to make deals and learn how to do business with different types of people and be professional and mm-hmm. all these different Even making skills. cold calls. I mean, that is an yeah, art well, yeah and you know and and not taking it personally i remember when i made my first sale and i made it really easily the first time and i, I said and dad, my dad was with me i said i said that was that was really easy why doesn't everybody do this <laughs> and he goes he goes well you know if you know if it was easy everybody would do it you know yeah and so and, and that's and like that, dave Chappelle. I, I think he has a story where the first time he went up he was like 14 and he had a great <laughs> set like oh okay and then you know he bombed his next time out or whatever but uh yeah it's funny when you sometimes you just get lucky yeah and so i learned i learned a lot from dad and then so but i and the great thing about working for dad was i still got to go do touring and and play in the band leave come and go as i please so i still got to i was still trying to live that you know whatever that rock and roll dream i had since i was a little kid and one day he comes into my office he goes i'll tell you what kid you're fired I, I'm like, what? He goes, I want you to go take some time, find something to do in the music industry that's not playing the guitar. Mm. And at the time, I was just bewildered. Kind of I a compromise was, though, right? Like, don't, you know, don't give up your musical dream, but get serious. Right. <laughs> get and a real was, job. But, you know, but again, you know, I was kind of immature, you know, I was like 24, 23. And I was just like, well, I, what would I do uh, like a roadie or like, like, like what, what are you talking about? You know, like yeah. I didn't, I, 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 my mind's eye wasn't as big as I thought it could be. And then 
And then I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'll go to engineering school, but do I want to be an engineer? That's very competitive. You know, like, am I good? Am I going to be good at that? You know, like all these kind of things. I thought about it for a while. And in the interim, I had, I had met this guy in Phoenix, um, who, who, um, this guy named Tony, and he had a little amplifier repair shop. Um, and this guy's name, and uh, anybody who was anybody in guitar and that played guitar in Phoenix would go to Tony. And he would hot rod your ink, right? He'd make it sound like Eddie Van Halen. Mm. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of boutique amps. This was in 2003, 2002. And, you know, there was Bogners and Diesels and a couple other, Bad Cat, I think. But there wasn't a lot of boutique amps. So, like, to get that $4,000 tube amplifier sound, you had to go find one of these German amps, you know. And then, you know, everybody had their Marshall and their Mesa, right? So... So Tony would hot rod everybody's Marshalls and their Mesas and their PVs, and it would sound awesome. Anybody who was anybody had a, either a modded, a modded one by him, or they had this homemade-looking piece of shit that was called a cranking. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and it was made out of an old Sovtech. Sovtech was some Russian company that made audio gear, and he would go buy old Sovtech amps on eBay, and he'd gut them, and he'd use the chassis, and he'd build a box and i'm not it, uh, it and, crank with a k yes crank with a k and i remember print, seeing those he's screen printed like kind of block letters crank right and i remember a lot of metalcore bands had those well yeah that because well, that was not, like not, a yeah not or at is that, that time. different oh gotcha well, no, okay gotcha. It's the same, it, it is the same thing but then we'll get to what Hold i brought on, to sorry the table. yeah uh yeah no you're absolutely right they did so um I, I was at Tony's one day and I'm just sitting there and thinking about what my dad said. And Tony didn't even know my name. Tony called me driver. My friend driver is one of my best friends of all driver Williams. He plays guitar for Eric church. Who's a huge massive yeah. country star. And, totally. uh, um, um, and so driver driver went on to better pastures as far as a, a being a, a professional guitar player. Let's just say that. But, but, but Tony would always call me driver. Hey driver. How you doing? I'm like, Hey Tony. And I'm like, Hey Tony, I got this weird thing. My dad, my dad told me to go figure something out. I'm like, I'm like, we should make like your amps. Like we should, like, we should do that. Like, like as a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, just like this super talented, but just kind of just punk rock dude, older guy. And he goes, okay. So like literally like the next day I go to my dad and I go, dad, I think I know I, I, I've listened. I, I heard you. Um, here's what I want to do. And I said, there's this guy who makes these amplifiers. They're amazing. Um, everybody in Phoenix has one uh, that knows about it. If these were packaged right and they look cool and they were priced at the same price as a Marshall or a Mesa, because <laughs> it sounds like a $4,000 amp. And to me, anyway, I don't know. I'm just making, I'm making, this, up, making this up. I don't know. To me at the time, it did. And he, I said, there's a business there. And so my father cut me a check. I won't tell you how much he gave me. And unbeknownst to my mother. <laughs> and, and, I, and I went over to Tony's with a little LLC agreement. And we started Crank Amps. Wow. Then, See, I didn't, I didn't know this at all. By the way, this is one of the, of the multitude of reasons why I started this podcast and why I enjoy doing it and I'm constantly looking for ways to expand it is because you know as a bit of a workaholic 
you know, I, I've, I've made a lot of great friends over the years that I don't get to see or talk to as much as I would like. And right. this is an opportunity to have conversations like this, the kind that you used to have when you were in like a touring band and you would be at Denny's till like three in the morning and yep. staying at your friend's yeah, get house to, and get to, get to know why people are why. Yeah. And it's, um, this is just a great excuse to do it in a way that, that is still productive. Well, I'm just, so happy you know, that I'm so happy you reached out. Cause I'm, I, I was one of my favorite things every year is seeing you at comic con and hanging out and talking and, and getting a drink. And so this is so strange not doing that this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of the many, uh, obviously it's, you know, it's cliche. That, at this that, point, I, but that, that one hurts the most. That one, that one was, yeah, that one was, it was definitely a, a weird recalibration of, of normal life, you know, yeah. having been going to Comic-Con every year since I think 2002. Yeah. It's strange it's to spe- not be there. It's, a, it's special in the people that we, me and you both have in common and that we, we get to see there. Yeah. We've got our little crew. Stuff. That's like, you know, Just you know, special. you know, you got that hang at least once a year. And we do, and we do neat stuff sometimes. So. And we do need uh, stuff. You do need stuff, especially. <laughs> so, and, and, and we'll get to that, but right now we're hearing the story of crank amps, which oh, oh, is yeah. so, incredible so, so, because I had no yeah. idea. I, I just, I just know of it. I remember the logo. I don't know that any, I, I don't know. There's, yeah. there's a guitar, there's a guitar world article somewhere from like that time that tells the story, but this is, this might be the only record of it now. And, uh, so, so well, this is monumental for sure. Um, Authoritative. For sure. Um, definitive, well, the definitive account. <laughs> Of crank apps, no, it it was a big thing, and I I remember feeling like it was really plugged in with that particular scene of bands that I was working with in the mid. Well, I, I I really appreciate that because that's that's my association with it. Is I remember seeing well, that amp and, chain and, reaction all the time. You know, I'll tell you that that experience for me led to me where I am today. So I'll, you know, I'll, and I'll lead you on that path because it, it it really was something special. So. Literally, me and Tony, there was a guy who owned a wood shop next to Tony who had this kid named Kit. Kit was like a rad bass player. I'm like, walks next door. Hey, Kit, you want to uh, come work with me and Tony? Sure. Me and Kit and Tony and maybe a couple. There was this kid named Mike. He was a greaser, I remember. He used to wear his hair real greased back. and We were like this little skateboard team, you know, uh, with this old man that made amps. And and, uh, we just started. We like... We came up with a design. I don't know if you remember the design. They were they were they were kind of sleek looking. They had like chrome, chrome grills totally and circles. And the, the reason they had that is because the, the the day I was deciding what they looked like, I looked out the window and there was a Denali sitting outside and it had that grill. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I go, Oh, there's no amps with that grill. And so I and then I, and we figured everything out. It was so grassroots. Like like I I didn't know anything. Like I called Celestian. Celestian's a big speaker company. They wouldn't sell me anything. They're like, what are, who are you? And I'm like, okay. So I found Eminence. Eminence is these guys. And I, I made really great friends to this day at the Eminence speaker company in Kentucky. Um, eventually Celestian did call and want our, want our business. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but Eminence <laughs> gave me my break. Eminence gave me my break. They're like, okay, sure. What, what do you need? What, how, uh, you only need this many. Sure, but, so I figured out how to get speakers. I figured out a thing. We figured out you know, an assembly line type of thing. We had, a, we had two bays, we had a wood shop and then where we made the amps and we had a little office up front where we watched movies and probably smoked way too much pot and came up with cool ideas. And um, at some point there was a guy across the street that uh, had a, I didn't know this at the time, this guy named Luther and I owe Luther a lot. Luther had a circuit board manufacturing. He made stuff for Mo- Motorola. 
And he walked over one day. He goes, what the fuck are you kids doing in here? Because, <laughs> like, we literally, it looked like a bunch of kids that were breaking into a, uh, like, a, like, a, like one of those industrial park things. Uh, that's day. exactly what I'm picturing, too, is those industrial you know, parks that have, all, like, the big yeah, warehouse. We're all, sm- and then we're, the, all yeah. sm- we're all smoking cigarettes and drinking beer outside. And my, my, my management company was in one of those for a number of years. And, and it was kind of a similar experience because every other business <laughs> in our office park warehouse thing was... Right you know, made medical supplies or like did all this like professional stuff. And then all these tattooed weirdos would be right. coming in so and out of like, our office all day. So he's like, he's like, well, I want to find out what's going on with the neighborhood. Right. You know, there goes the neighborhood, these kids. In. So he, he comes over and he gets this big grin on his face. He's like, holy shit, look at this. This is really neat. Um, and he's looking at where we, I didn't know what he did at the time, but he's, I'm showing him around, you know, and, and he goes, well, would you like to see what I do? And I said, yeah. So, so I go across the street. And this and this is the first time in my life I had ever seen circuit board manufacturing and wave machines. And he was doing it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I'm like, I'm like, he's like, yeah, we're a big Motorola manufacturer. And I said, he said, you know, and if you have, if you are lucky enough to own one of the first hundred crank amps, you probably have a giant pasta dinner in there with uh silicone everywhere it's probably not very pretty and probably not very repairable <laughs> and they took a long time to build and so i learned a lot about business doing this a lot i, I learned everything on the fly i never owned my own business i was like holy shit it takes that long to build this thing we're gonna sell for all these different things what happens when it breaks and comes back and all anyway so luther goes i can make you a lot of money and save you a lot of time and i said i'm interested those are so, two things that I would enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm like, I really appreciate that. I, I, again, and I have a, a list of mentors and people that have come into my life that have made my life much better, including, you know, some people that, you know, and stuff like that. And so we, we had Tony go over and spend some time with Luther, the, 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 our genius. He shows Tony some program. Tony comes back the next morning with every circuit that we have, that he's ever designed. It on it designed on a computer like he's he was such a savant he figured out four years of schooling in one night and then he's like and dude i can make and this is so easy and i can do this 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 and this and, that. and like it was just like you know it opened up euphoria right Incredible. and it really changed everything so and so that so then all of a sudden we had like this manufacturable thing and things were going well and i remember one of the first people i got a call from was josh Rand from stone sour mm-hmm um how did i meet josh oh, i'll tell you before i met josh okay so we were in business for a few months and so i was like well how do we sell these things right mm-hmm. other than selling it on a website how so do you make people told, aware that it's something they want to find the website and buy right so someone yeah. told me about something called the nam show <laughs> oh my gosh and so i looked into it and lo and behold I can get, I can get a spot in what's called Hall E. Um, and if you're familiar with Nam, you know Hall E is the basement. And in my in my opinion, the, it's not it's not the Hall H of Comic Con. It's not Hall H it's of Comic Con. Hall e of it, Nam. It's Hall E of Nam, and Hall E is where you get your start at Nam. And so, we got a booth, and, and we're running out of money, Ryan. We're, <laughs> You know, we got we got a gold Amex that's got to be paid every thirty days, and we got uh, you know the, the little bit of money dad gave me. We're running out of money. We get the booth, 
we all pile into this old 1970s Winnebago that we have out back, the whole skateboard team, minus Tony, because we didn't want to bring Tony into public. And we all head to NAMM. And we're so fucking obnoxious. We have these red shirts that say crank on the front, and on the back they say boogie killer in the Mesa boogie font. Ooh. So a, so a declaration of war. Very punk rock. Like oh, it. it was funny. So we roll in. We roll into the Best Western that's like kind of kitty. You, you, you might know the Best Western. It's the one that's like right when you turn into Nam. Mm-hmm. You know, on the, we managed to get a room there. And, and this is in us, Anaheim, California for people Anaheim, who may not be familiar yeah. with Nam. Right next to Disneyland. This is not Vietnam. We're uh, not that old. No. <laughs> not, we'll get there. Um, and um, we roll in there and then we roll into Nam and again it's the skateboard team at a little booth right and we got some couches and we're all just sitting there all day and holy shit rock stars are coming by and mark tremani comes by and i meet i'm like holy shit and he's like really nice and you probably met or talked to mark tremani what uh, mark still, tremani has, has been a guest on speaking to Scott. yeah and still a friend of mine to this day because he was a big pinball fan and uh and then uh ginger it was, it was ginger from marilyn manson and all these people and we're like we're just these kids basically and we're like holy shit this is cool this is easy and then i met to this day one of my all-time one of my best friends in the world paul riario from guitar world um i don't know if you're familiar with paul but i know i don't know him but i know who he is a, a tech editor over there and paul we dragged <laughs> we accosted paul we made him we put, had this little sound booth and we brought him in there and he's like oh my god this is, you guys are a mess and, <laughs> and he comes out of the sound booth and he's like his jaws dropped he's like what how did you kids do what did you kids do what what is this you know and we made a uh he subsequently gave it a really nice you know platinum review in guitar world and everybody says that everybody everybody gets the platinum award but i don't think that's true and all of a sudden we were a real company but before i get to that part this is one of the neatest things that ever happened to me as a, as a young guy. So we're NAMS over. We all had a great time. Oh, cool, cool, cool. cool. We're wheeling. We're not a real company. So we're, we're actually wheeling our crap right up back at the front door, you know, with our Winnebago triple parked in the thing and people screaming at us. Right. And we're rolling it out and I bump into somebody and I look up and I don't recognize him because I had never seen him without a mask on, but it was Mick Thompson from Slipknot. Wow. And so when you looked up, you looked way up. Yeah. <laughs> He's like nine and, feet tall. And again, you know, I think I was 24 years old and I, big Slipknot fan. I like really, I was really very intrigued by Slipknot always when they first came out and I, I had gone to see them on those early club tours, which were so intense. Oh like yeah. If you hadn't, if you never got a chance to see Slipknot, like in a small, like, when they were raw and everything, you'll never get to see that. They do amazing things now, but it was so visceral and angry. So I was, I was always a, I was kind of a fan, you know, and, and I, and, and, I, and I got to say with Mick too, uh-huh. I don't, I don't remember what year it was. It was more recent years, mm-hmm. but having been to NAM multiple times and, uh, you know, met with and known a lot of people and a lot of uh, established bands. There was one time when I was at NAM and there was like a commotion down the, this pathway and you look and the commotion is Mick from Slipknot in full gear, jumpsuit, mask, and he's oh, got yeah. people around him and he's walking probably to a signing or something. But I got to give that guy a ton of credit because in a, in an environment that's filled with rock stars and rock fans, he stood out. 
mean, he's very physically yeah. imposing. And it just, it, it was just like, you had a sense of like, oh, some like, someone important just, just walked by. Like, I don't know, it, it, something cool. No, they're like, they're, dude, Slipknot are like superheroes. They're dope. Yeah. I mean, they need their sure. own action figures. You know what I mean? They're they are literally like today's Kiss, you know? What what Kiss was when I was four years old. That's what Slipknot is. I imagine that's what it would have felt like Gene Simmons in full regalia in like the 70s walking by. Absolutely. Somewhere. Or yeah. like, you know, or when you see Slash coming to Nam, you know, and you see the sure. top, all you see is all you see is the top hat and all the people around him, you know? It's yeah. the same kind of thing. It's a, some people have some people are larger than life a little bit, um, which is which is cool. And I'm fortunate sure. to have met some of those neat types of people. So Mick Thompson, I didn't realize it was Mick Thompson, but he says, where's mine? <laughs> you know, they're, they're geared you know, guitar players or gear junkies. And I said, well, uh, well, and he, he goes, uh, uh, I'm Mick. I'm playing a band called Slipknot. I'm like, oh, okay. Play it cool. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, 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 I've heard of them. And then he's like, uh, we're, we're in town recording. And he writes down on a piece of, this is before, this is before cell phones. I think I was on Palm Pilot. Um, or right, you're not cell phones, but like not like yeah, you, you no, know what I mean. Like you, you're not just you're, 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 not, take, you're not bumping iPhones to airdrop your contact information. No, it, no. Yeah. And so he writes down on a piece of paper, um, this address. I don't even look at it. His phone number and stuff. I put it in my pocket. We we're getting yelled at by security to get the fuck out of there. I'm sitting there talking to like a dude that I think is awesome, and so it's just fun. Right? We're having fun. So anyway, blah blah blah. Everybody goes home. I decide. I, I look at the piece of paper. I go, you know what, guys? We should go over there tomorrow. We should call this dude and go over there tomorrow and, 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 and bring him one of these things, right? Why not? Fuck it. So we go. So the next morning, me, this other dude, and this other dude, we, we, uh, we rented a van, uh, like a cargo van, and, and we drive to Hollywood. And I'm not paying attention because I'm not driving. Is this when I mean, they were recording at the Houdini Mansion with Rick Rubin? Yeah. So, uh, so which, by the, which, by the, which by the way, ships passing in the night. Yeah. Because I paid a visit to Slipknot when I was working at MTV. Ian Robinson, who was a on-air reporter at the time, he and I. I don't remember if we had a shoot there or if we just went there for some reason. Just went there. I, I know he's friends with Corey Taylor. We might have just went there. But uh, yeah, we went to the Houdini Mansion when Slipknot was recording, and I had a great conversation with Rick Rubin. Just two dudes shooting the shit, standing outside, and he had his little prayer beads. And anyway, I don't mean to oh. hijack your story, but we're oh ship, no, ships dude. passing in the night because we, you know, we no, might have been awesome. there on the that's, same day. That's so amazing. That makes me <laughs> yeah. smile so much because when I tell you my Rick Rubin thing, you'll just smile too because it just it that's so cool for people like us. Oh, dude, you know what I mean? Massive. Just, for, like to meet to meet to be in his place and to meet him and and to be graciously treated by by him is just like it, it makes everything right in the world you know absolutely, um, absolutely. so like we, so we're driving and we're going up was it is it what's the street you drive up the mountain right? uh Mohan. yeah so we're driving up the street there and i'm like and i'm like oh man this is cool cool house i'm 24 years old and I'm just dork get into we pull up to the thing and i'm like looking at this building and i go Mulholland or laurel canyon you know, wherever the go wherever on. the houdini, wherever the houdini wherever, mansion is yeah yeah i don't i don't have the address and if you're listening don't go there i don't know who lives there I don't know 
But um, Laurel Canyon. It's on Laurel Canyon. Yeah, it's in Laurel Canyon. You can Google it. Um, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, why do I know this thing? Why do I know this thing? And then like 10 seconds, like it, something clicks and I think about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Didn't it, and I think they recorded Blood Sugar Sex Magic there or something. And I, because I remember as a kid or, or some, at some point seeing pictures of them in it, you know, like yeah. there was some story about it. And I'm like, then I start like, kind of like, dude, this is Rick Rubin's house. <laughs> And like, they're like, huh? And I'm like, this is fucking Rick Rubin. This is the Houdini mansion, man. This is the haunted fucking house. And they're like, and everyone's like, shut up. You're such a dork. And I'm like, let's go. And so we, and if you remember going there, you could just kind of roll into the front, right? Mm -hmm. Into the foyer. Mm -hmm. And I rolled in there and Corey Taylor's on the top of like a dining, like a, like a kind of a dining room table. And he's singing a wayward, uh, uh, carry on my wayward son by Kansas. He's just having fun. Somebody's playing guitar. I guess if you read later about that recording session, I guess these guys were bored out of their fucking mind. So no yeah. wonder they wanted to have three, three stupid kids with guitar hats <laughs> come over. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so he's like, you know, and, and, and he's just like, he's looking at us rocking. And then like Sid, the DJ comes over. He's like, Hey dudes. And he's like, can I show you around? And like, we're just like, what is going on? Is this like Slipknot fantasy camp? What is this? You know? <laughs> and, and and, the, and you know we're just having fun getting to know each other blah blah and then you know and then we we met, we met mick and jim and, and they were so sweet and so nice and like and, and i'm like do you want these and they're like yeah absolutely i'm like could you do me a favor could you put on your masks at least and like maybe take a picture with it and they literally went upstairs and they put black makeup on their faces because wow. they i guess they don't just put the mask on sure and i have the picture somewhere i'll send it to you yeah um it's and, like batman right we finally got to see a batman and with robert pattinson with his cowl off and you see the black yes makeup. yeah you got to do the black he, yeah uh, batman knows green what's arrow he did it anyway and we know how much you love the green arrow that's Indeed. that's i have i have photographic evidence of that um and there he is <laughs> literally, literally, literally on my desk oliver um so uh so there's just, and then, you know, I got the picture of them choking me and, and, uh, and blah, blah, blah. And then we leave. And then a week later, I get a call from some guy who works there. And he goes, Rick Rubin wants one of those things. Oh my gosh. And I go, he goes, I go, wow. I, go, I, go I go, really? He goes, he goes, will you bring one out? And I go, yeah, fuck yeah. And I'm literally, we're draining money. Like we're hemorrhaging like a pig. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, what color does he want? He's like, what color do you have? I'm like, whatever color you want. He's like, he likes yellow. So we made him this. Is this, this is the ultimate spend money now to make money later. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Far, <laughs> from, far from Peter to pay Paul. That's for mm -hmm. sure. So me and him, a yellow amp, we get the same three kids. We get in the van, we drive back to LA. We go this time he pulls up in one of his little Rolls Royce things. He's got these beautiful old Rolls Royces. I think, uh, I think he's, I was told he has a few of them again, probably similar experience, just gracious. So sweet. Yeah. Um, was just showed me around, answered any of my questions, took exactly a, how you'd want him to be. Took yeah. a photo, took, was gracious about taking a photo with me. And I, I was just in awe and I was just so happy. And he was just, and he was just really grateful. And, and, uh, uh, and he even him and not him, but I think one of his guys took, gave me a real good tour of the house and showed me the real haunt and then sh showed me that, that there used to be a pathway underneath the, 
the the street that went to Frank Zappa's house. And then the story is that sometimes Frank Zappa would show up in the Houdini Mansion kitchen drinking coffee, you know, in the morning and then go back. So it, it was just, it was just cool. And I felt part of the, like for the first time in my life, felt part of the club. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. It was interesting. So fast forward, blah, blah, blah. Josh Rand calls me because he knows Jim Root, or, right? Because mm -hmm. they're in a band together, right? So Josh Rand is like our first endorser. And then I'm just like this. Uh, I'm really good friends with the uh, promoter at the local club because I've been playing in bands forever. It was a place called the Marquee Theater. And, sure, and yeah. And did all the other things. And It's right on that circuit for all, the, all these bands. So, so what I started doing is I'd go – to the marquee theater every time there was bands that i thought should play crank and i'd go with a few amps and i'd go sit in the back parking lot with the, my, my friend the security guard they'd give me a lammy and as the tour managers would come off i'd introduce myself tell them i wanted to meet their guitar players and show them stuff and if they want the factory was like five minutes away driving like they want they can hop in the car and go see the guitar factory blah blah, blah. And I did that with everybody. I did that with Darkest Hour. I did it with Arch Enemy. I did it with God Forbid. I did it with every band that I fucking loved, right? And and I had this deal. So I, I'm like, just give me your amp and I'll give you I'll give oh, you Oh, that's a, that's perfect. We'll trade. Give me Yeah. So like <laughs> give me your boogie or give me your fifty one fifty or and I sold it on eBay. And I had so I had this little economy system going yeah. by, uh, with getting bands to give me their gear i'd give them my gear all of a sudden there's bands on the road with crank amps and, and like you mentioned you mentioned that like that the hardcore metals that the the oh, new wave God. of american metal right i want to uh, i want to say sinai beach played crank probably i feel um, like that was the first time i remember it's, seeing it's, one. It's i, I remember seeing them a lot at chain reaction in the glass house yeah in anaheim there right yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and 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 um and so and then as the bands would, and then obviously the bands were all friends so they hey call, call yeah. jody tell them you're coming yes. to town you know and then i go put and then then it became a thing where like they're inviting me to come and then i'm going on the bus and we're having we're just you know we're having rock star parties and then we're going to look at amps and then we go blah, 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 and it's like and all of a sudden like i have like i'm like all of a sudden i'm an artist relations guy mm-hmm I didn't know I was an artist relations guy, but you know, those, <laughs> that wasn't those, the original plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the sales training, you know, from dad, you know, uh, and all of a sudden, um, uh, and then, uh, then something happened that changed my life forever. I got an email from a lady that said she was Dimebag Daryl's manager Oof. and her name's Rita Haney. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the, I didn't know Rita at the time. She signed her name Dimebags Hag. I think she still does that. Mm -hmm. And um, I got an email saying, hey, I represent Dimebag Daryl. Um, he saw your amps in a magazine and blah, 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 blah. And he wants to check it out. And here's our address. You're like, I will drive that over. <laughs> See you in a few days. So, so first <laughs> off, I'm like, you also have to imagine, I was I was getting a lot of heat from, I, I the, as, as much cool success i was having i was also getting a lot of heat from haters right so sure like, is this like is, this is a good joke this is a good one like this is like whoa and like, and the heat and the heat was because what it's it's an upstart brand it's oh so you know you know how it is the under, underdog underdog yeah. and i was and you know me and i've mellowed out over the years but i used to be a lot louder and and you've always been fun loud though 
it's fun loud. It's like yeah, aggressive yeah. loud and there's fun loud. You're like you're yeah. you're more of a fun loud. Yeah. So, but you know, as I life as of I the do, party kind of loud, not like yeah. Loud. But you know, but sometimes it's it's an acquired taste. It uh, depends. On, it's depends not, it has to be the right chemistry with the right people. So, so there was a little bit of that, and there was a lot of cockiness. You know, I was buying the back page of Guitar World magazine, the back cover. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff upsets people for some reason. Yeah, It for sure. really pissed people off. And like, I remember I when, spending... when Rise Records in that like peak of like Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. Miss May I, when all those bands were popping, Craig would buy full page ad after full page ad and Outburn and all those magazines. And, and yeah, some people get like weirdly offended like it's obnoxious, you know? Like Yeah, so, so, so I was getting a lot of heat. So I'm like, I, here, I remember it 10 years later, so... It totally. <laughs> That's funny. So, so, I was, so I'm like, is this real? So I had a friend who knew um, you know, a guy, you probably know Scott Uchida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so I had a friend who knew Scott Uchida and I'm like, can you ask Scott Uchida if, cause if this is Dimebag Daryl's address and I, my friend came back and said, that is his address. And, and said, it's a, okay. and it's a fair question. I mean, I I don't I don't fault you for doing that homework. It was just it was just weird corroboration. You know? Yeah, it was just weird. So I put the amp in a FedEx box and I overnight it. It's his. Oh shit! Got to get to FedEx. It's real. So I, I I get it over there. The next day. The next day, I get a call from Rita. Introduce herself. Man. She says, he really liked that thing. I said, oh, that makes me happy. That's, that's great. That's, that's really, he goes, he thinks he did something to it though. I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, he goes, yeah he's a little skeptical. He says, he wants you to overnight him another one. <laughs> and I said, what? And he goes, he goes, he, he, she, he wants you to overnight him another one so he can see if you mess, you know, like if you're messing with him, right? Like if you sent, oh, oh wow. You, you know, and I said, I said, I said, okay. I said, any particular color while we're at it, you know? And she goes, well, I noticed you do plaid. And we did, we did do plaid because we thought ska bands will love plaid. I was plaid, just going to say that. And they, and, they, that... And, they, and they loved it. They did love it. So he's like, I noticed you do plaid. And, and so, and she goes into this really quick story about how Blues Ciracino, the guitar player, I don't know if anybody knows this who's listening, uh, was Dime's favorite, one of his favorite guitar players. And Blues Ciracino had this out plaid album cover mm-hmm. and so and so she told me he even has a plaid tattoo and so if anybody had ever seen Diane's leg and sees that big square patch of plaid that's not because he was scottish or or, or, or whatever he really liked blue Ciracino, so that's a guitar thing it's interesting i had another it's tattoo interesting. it's interesting but uh, anyway so i get a plaid one and i overnight it the next day I don't want to say day, it's probably like next day, then morning. So one, two in the morning, my phone rings and I'm, I'm literally in bed and it's Rita again. Hey, thanks for the year. He loves it. It's his birthday. He, he's so happy, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. I'm really glad. I'm like, what, what's going on? She's like, I'm just out barbecuing for the boys. And I'm like looking at my watch and I'm like, <laughs> It's three in the morning there. She's barbecuing. What is going on? She's. Th- yeah. I'm like, you know, and I'm kind of just. And then I go, I go, hey, I, I got to say something. I said, this is really, thank you so much, and I'm glad you reached out, and thank you for the gratitude. 
I got to be honest with you. I feel like someone's messing with me right now. And are you, are you really, is this really Don Bag Daryl? Like, 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 I, I, like, like, really? And she goes, hold on. Right. And, and, and she, she wasn't like a celebrity yet. You know, she's pretty no, known in the no, rock and metal was, community now. Like people know was, her look, they know her attitude. Un, unfor, know, unfort, uh, yeah. Unfortunately her passing, uh, his passing. Yeah. She's, she's and, become like the real champion for, yeah, and she, and she, hit, can, you know, she carries in a great way legacy, for sure in, a, in an amazing, beautiful way, and they they were a beautiful. Yeah, um, but 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 uh, just for just for context for people listening, yeah. like yeah, this was she wasn't a known. This, it's not like no it's idea. not like Sharon yeah. Osbourne is on the phone with you going, "I'm calling for Ozzy," yeah. and you're like, "I know yeah. Sharon Osbourne." I didn't I didn't know any different. And plus, I was young, you know. Sure, I only know Pantera from going to see them forty times. You know, that's right. all I know. And, and watching the home, I movie. would have had the same question. So. She goes, well, hold on. And so she goes, she goes, I'll go in the house and find him. And so she goes and I hear blah, 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 blah. And we're talking. And then I hear her kind of, I don't, I don't know where she's going, but I hear drums, live drums. And I hear them and they're getting louder. And if you know the sound of drums and certain players, mm-hmm. you will know that the drums I was heard were being played by a guy named Vinnie Paul. Mm-hmm. I was fucking a thousand percent sure of it. And I'm like, now I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, it might be, it, it might really be. Hey, him. this kid just wants to make sure that you're you. That's exactly what she said. She opened the door. Wow. Hey, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, tell him to be, I think damage plan was jamming, right? <laughs> and, shut up, shut up, shut up. She said, Hey, it's Jody from Crank on the phone. He don't believe it's you. Amazing. And he gets on the phone. And it's fuck it's Santa Claus. It's it's him. It's the it's fucking him. And I'm like, I tell him how I tell him how I think I'm being pranked and everything. And he's laughing and at me. And I'm like, play the I'm like, he has this guitar, right? And I'm like, play this solo, right? And he plays. <laughs> and then and then, like for like the next hour and a half, dude, I'm like, I'm like using him as a jukebox. I'm I was gonna like, say, I was just gonna say, you're putting nickels in the jukebox. I love. Yeah, that. and I'm laying in bed. I'm literally laying in bed talking to my, you know, I have a bunch of guitar heroes, but one of the top, one of the ones, greatest of all time, my mm. my Eddie Van Halen, you know, and um, and we're just he's just having we're just having we're just laughing and having fun anybody ever got to meet him or talk to him knows that any conversation with him was the best conversation mm-hmm. and we were just clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking and you know we literally talked for four or five hours uh, wow. just just i only got to, to meet stuff. him once and he was yeah as advertised in my experience yeah as, as you know and and so long story short we fly him out. We fly him out here. Um, we spend, we're getting, now we're getting real low. Uh, now we're borrowing money from dad, Brian. Um, we, we're, You're we're, like, but dad, dime bag Daryl. He's like, I don't know who that is. And I don't, I don't care. I don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You must've been there. Um, and uh, so we, we, and all, and, he wanted his first class ticket, so I got first class tickets for him and Rita. And he wanted to stay at the Buttes in Tempe. And the Buttes is this beautiful resort on the top of this mountain. So I got him a room at the Buttes. And we fly him in. And so and I also rent a for the evening, I rent kind of like one of those party van buses type of uh-huh. things. 
because we're gonna go we're gonna go have some fun right so anyway uh i'm in my office just kind of like like i got a pit in my stomach i'm so nervous and uh then this guy comes in he goes he's here and i'm like holy shit he's here and then so i go in, in into the other place and he's there and when I'm and remember you talked to you said about Mick Thompson and you know you have to look up to Mick Thompson yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. I'm again, I've never met Diamond in person. I've only seen him on the stage. And then I'm expecting like this thousand foot giant, right? And there there is this little man, little and he was a little pudgy. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to bust his chops or anything. He was a little pudgy at the time, rosy cheeks. He looked like Santa Claus. He did. He looked like a gorgeous Santa Claus. And he's sitting there with his hat on. He had a dime bag hardware hat. And his, he had his brand new black label vest on that he just got from Zach. And I walked over to him. He gives me this big giant bear hug. And I, 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 I immediately say to him, I said, this vest is so cool. Did you just get you know, black label? He's like, yeah, man. He takes it off and puts it on me. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, holy crap. And By like, the way, and what, what, like, what else could better summarize who that guy was than that moment right there uh, you know what i mean like something like that like nothing oh did you just nothing. get this this is oh yeah here he takes it off and puts it on you of course yeah he here's does. the here's the clothes you off know? my back right and he's like we gotta call vince you gotta meet vince and so he, call, he calls you know he's like and we call vince and vinnie paul i think was i vinnie was always so gracious to me but i he wasn't different personality than yeah. time and, different personality you know I mean? and not not the guitar gear guy either he's not like oh cool yeah, the guy, yeah. kid from the amp company yay yeah, but you know, Dime's but Dime's so excited, right? So, yeah. so Vinny's excited for his brother, you know. And uh, so we go, we talk, we sit in this room. Dime's literally playing my guitars off the wall, you know, just like, and I'm just sitting there, just like, my dad's there. My dad came, um, and you know, and we were all just sitting there, just like about ten of us kids. We'd grown a little bit more, so there was more kids, more skates, more skaters, and. Uh, we're all just sitting there like Indian style, like looking at him and he's you know, riffing away on my Les Paul and my other thing. And we're just having, we're talking and, you know, we get down to some business stuff and he goes, he goes, all right, well, here's the deal. Everyone's offering me a million dollars to come to come play their amps. And like, we're all just like, okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's and got nothing to do with like, us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good luck. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for coming. And, uh, and, uh, but I'm looking at my dad out of the corner of my eye going, dad, we got to find a million dollars. Fast forward. We did not find a million dollars. <laughs> Spoiler uh, alert. Uh, but, and so anyway, so I'm like, Oh, cool, cool, cool. And he's telling me, yeah, man. So, you know, what, what do you guys think? You know, what's your offer? And we're like, well, you know, why don't we just go have some fun time? Let's talk about this later. Let's, uh, let's, uh, Let's figure this out later. Let's just go have some fun. Let's go have some dinner. So we go to this place called the Rustler's Roost. And if you're from Phoenix, you know, the Rustler's Roost is like this dope place where they have the mechanical bowl. And you, when you, if you want to, you can slide down into it and eat rattlesnake. And it's a, but it's a nice restaurant. It's a big, cool restaurant. And we're drinking. And we're drinking. And there's probably 10, 15 of us, all the, all the skate team and me and um, Daryl and uh, Rita. And did your dad come to dinner too? No, no, dad, dad bowed out. And uh, he's like, go have fun. Don't get arrested, which I should have listened. So anyway, um, we, uh, we go and we're having this just massive dinner and we're all drinking crap. He's teaching us about 
black tooth grins, right? Which everybody knows about now. And, yeah. and he's teaching us how to do it and why to do it and why it's then we're drinking the place out of crown and just having a grand old time having just a real fun time. And I'm like, all right, let's get out of here. So I get up to go pay the check. You know, I had, I had the Amex and the guy goes, well, the gentleman took care of it. And I'm like, oh there's no gentleman. There's no gentleman. I'm like, there's no gentleman here. And he looks at Daryl and I like, I looked over and then I went back and sat down and I'm like, kind of just kind of processing it for a second. And I looked out, I, I whispered to my buddy next to me, driver, my best friend, I go, he likes us. I, I just said, he likes us. He goes, why? I go, I think he likes us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. when we are having, and we are having a blast. Right. And then we hop into the, we hop into the, uh, the party bus. Right. And then we're cruising down the mountain. We're going to go to the strip club and we're, we got Slayer at, at 11 and we're, we're all drinking and we're, we're all just like looking at each other going, this is awesome. If we die, if we all die tonight, God bless us. You know, this is, this is we did just it. the best. Yeah. We, we, we crossed the finish line tonight. And we're going, and I said to Diane, he said, where are we going? I said, well, we're going to this place called Skin in Scottsdale. It's this really nice strip club. He's like, I don't know. I don't like nice strip clubs. And I said, what? And I said, I said, I said, I said, he's like, he's like, I said, what do you mean? He's like, oh, is there, there going to be stretch marks? You know? And I said, I said, I don't know, man. I said, I said, I, said, I don't think there's going to be stretch marks, but we're going to have fun. And, uh, so this is a little aside, something that happened that's kind of relevant, um, to the Eddie Van Halen thing. Mm -hmm. Dime had never met Eddie Van Halen until almost right up until he passed away. He had gotten to meet him. Thank God. And, and got to go uh, hang out with him and stuff. But at that that, that, as of that day, he had never met Eddie, Eddie Van Halen. Vinnie Paul apparently was hanging out with Eddie Van Halen that night in Dallas. So the phone rang. And it was Eddie Van Halen. And so Daryl gets us like, well, he's, he's like, he's talking to Vinny. And then he like, he looks at all of us. He goes, shut the fuck up. Right. Like, just like, like, we're like, what the hell happened? He turned off the music. And he, he's got it on speakerphone. He gets on the phone with Eddie Van Halen. And so all of a sudden I see a larger than life hero, my hero. Mm -hmm. All right turn into a baby like just like this massive kid he's like he's teary-eyed he's crying and he's like hey ed you know he's like 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 he's talking to santa claus like remember how i said i was talking to santa yeah. claus he's talking to his yeah. santa claus and like he's like oh i'm so sorry i wasn't well not there i'm i'm out here trying to do some business but we're gonna meet up and i can't wait to meet you and and it was just we're all just like again this story just got crazier, right? <laughs> and we're living in it. And so it was just, it was just really neat and special, just a special moment. And I'm just really grateful that I was there for that. It was just yeah. unexpected and neat. And uh, uh, we, we go to the strip club and, uh, you know, we, we get them to put on, you know, Pantera and damage plan all night. And we're, we're, uh, we're going hard. So it's the skate team and dime and we're going hard. And caution, you danger ever, ahead. Caution, <laughs> danger ahead. We're going hard. We're going real hard. We're going so hard that my friend Driver, Driver Williams, you can Google him. He's the lead guitar player for Eric Church, big rock star. 
was in the bathroom and some other guy puked. The bouncer thought it was driver. Oh no. The bouncer made driver clean up the puke if he wanted to stay. Oh my gosh. Driver cleaned up the puke. We were not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) True story. So anyway, we're having fun. At some point, a bouncer comes up to me and says, hey, you better control your friend. I said, oh, Jesus, what's going on? My friend being Dimebag Daryl. Oh, no, what's going on? So he's at an ATM machine, and he's banging on it, like, hard. Mm -hmm. And the the bouncer says, he cannot do that. You guys got to go. And Dime puts his fist right through the goddamn screen. Wow. And at that point, it turns from party to holy shit and i turned around and literally like five of the biggest scottsdale arizona strip club bouncers you ever saw were coming right at me and dime and my and i was the drunkest i've ever been sorry mom i put dime behind me (laughs) and i just started swinging oh my gosh and i think i got a couple before they dragged me outside and apparently someone called the police and they threw me in a police car and everybody got out. I'm in the back of the police car. Police are getting dimes autograph. Nobody knows what's going on. I'm telling the policeman I'm with them. He's saying, shut the fuck up. I go to jail for a few hours and, um, you know, uh, the next morning, uh, Next morning, met Dime at the airport at the uh, Dick Clark's. Um, remember, they had those Dick Clark's restaurants in the yep. airport, mm-hmm. American Bandstand. Mm-hmm. Met him there. Rita's like, that kid went to jail for you. <laughs> Literally. And, he's, and like, he's like, we'll figure something out. And we sat there at that American Bandstand restaurant, and he missed four flights because we just kept um, drinking black tooth grins and eating French fries and just talking. And just, we, we had this really neat. He was like the coolest big brother I ever had in my life. And we just had this really neat relationship. And we unfortunately, you know, right before we made the, the great product together that we made, um, you know, the, the tragedy happened. And, and, and in some ways, Dime left me a lot of gifts because that really propelled Crank Amps to a, a new stratosphere. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, there's, also, no, there's no one else more associated with crank than dime and there's no and there's i can't think of another amp that's more associated with him either well and 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 then well and well and that being said you know he did come from randall amps whereas where it was where i uh where i ended up not too long after his passing um and that's where i met you because that's where they own washburn guitars yeah so i i'd sold my interest in the company not long after dime had passed and um, was offered a job at U.S. Music Corp., which was the, the corporation. And uh, David Karen and uh, Doug Reynolds, Doug, uh, where they got me up there and got me the job. And I owe David Karen a lot for getting me to Chicago. David, David's awesome. And David, David, uh, I owe David a lot for kind of getting me involved with Metallica. Um, mm-hmm. I did have a brief spit with Metallica with Crank. I did send one to uh, him and Bob Rock, and he did. If you ever see, there might be a video of it. If you ever watched the, the uh, when the Metallica opened up for the Rolling Stones mm-hmm. in San Francisco, when uh, James when James Hetfield put the spoon into Ronnie Woods Shepherd's pie, 
Yes. Um, if you ever seen that performance? He, they have yeah. basically all their practice gear on the stage, and there's a crank amp behind James, and he's playing a he's playing a dime bag amp. Um, nice. So that was that was like the first like glimpse of oh man Metallica, wow like that that was like I was like so giddy like that ever happened happening, and so one of the reasons I wanted to go to work with David at, at U.S. Music was because he pulled me aside one day and said hey don't tell anybody but I'm about to sign Kirk Hammett to Randall, and you should come over and let's uh, you know bring your roster over and. You can give them guitars too. Why not? You know, you know, right. you know what I mean? And, yeah. And uh, and you know, and, and so I ended up at US Music for a few years doing that and building up that Randall brand with David and Doug, and um, which was really special and got to know some of the people in the Metallica camp. Um, David was more close with Kirk at the time, and he still is. Um, but you know, Kirk was his guy. You know, and Scotty, Scotty, and um, Scotty, Scott, and Kirk, and and David were like a, like a little power trio. And Scott being stuff. so close with Dime, I'm sure that yeah. there was probably some kind of connection with you and him there. I, too, I mean, yeah. I, well, yeah, a little bit. You know, me and Scott are really close now. We didn't click until years later, but we got to be friends when I moved to Chicago. And yeah, it's probably one of the reasons. You know, Scott played Randall forever um, mm-hmm. because of Dime and Washburn guitars because of Dime, I think. Um, and you know, so it was there that I got to to do. Um, you know, there I, I ended up becoming the director of marketing and artist relations, and I got to do a lot of fun, neat stuff with a lot of bands and Demon Hunter included and and um, and really, uh, really just was able to do it for a, a, instead of a startup company, I was able to do it for an established real corporation. And mm-hmm. and it was it was it was it was fun. It was neat. I had a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the, um, you know, the bottom dropped out of the economy and you know, U.S. music was bought out and a lot of us kind of just figured out other things to do. Um, I'm sure you saw the blessing and the curse on both sides of being a startup versus an established company. There's a lot of great things and strengths about both and a lot of weaknesses about both. I mean, and, you know, but for a guy like me, I was, I was kind of able to make my own way and Mm -hmm. figure out a way to use other people's money to make money. And it, it 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 was really great experience. My boss there, Rudy Schlocker, who owned who owned U.S. Music, was this. He 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 you know he he built up Washburn Guitars, so it was a nothing brand. It was defunct for years, and he built it up. It was such a great brand in the in the '80s and and we in in, in the early '90s, and we tried bringing it back. Pretty pretty. We were having some fun with it, and uh, and I owe a lot to him. And he was he was a really great boss and mentor. Um, and uh, so, but it came to an impasse of like, well, what do I do? Do I go do artist relations somewhere at another guitar? What is this my life? Am I music? Am I an MI guy? They call them mm-hmm. MI guys, right? Mm-hmm. Am I an MI guy? And then I started thinking about it. Well, dude, I'm young, 30 years old at the time. Do I, do I want to be a nomad? Do I want to go from, you know, do I want to try to get a job at ESP or PRS or what? You know, all these places are all different places, right? What are the places here in Chicago? Oh, the Sure microphones are here. I think Digitech. I don't know. And I had this conversation one day with a friend of mine uh, who's a venture capitalist who I was introduced to through a, a consultant that worked with me. And uh, got to be close with Dave, Dave Peterson. And one day, Dave, this was 
right when I was deciding what I was going to do, one day Dave had me to lunch and he said, you'll never guess what I did. And I said, what'd you do? He said, I bought a pinball company. As we know, the U.S. music brought me to Chicago. And what I didn't know at the time was uh, Chicago is the Detroit of pinball. It's the home of pinball. Pinball is from Chicago. Uh, it was pretty much birthed here. All the major manufacturers were here, all the talent, all the, uh, all the artists, everything. Just like Detroit for cars, um, uh, Chicago is the capital. I didn't. I had no idea. So my friend. So I'm having front lunch with my friend Dave Peterson, who's now the uh, uh, one, of, one of Gary Stern's uh, partner. And uh, he said, "You know, guess what I did?" I said, what, "What'd you do?" And he said, "I bought a pinball company." And I said, "I immediately say, well, why'd you do that? That they still make pinball machines?" Right. Right. And and he says, "Yeah, and they're made right here in Chicago." And I'm like, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" And he's like, "He's like, what do you?" what are you thinking about doing? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, I, and this I, is like I, just before what you might call a pinball Renaissance, right? Yeah. I'd like to think that Dave and myself yeah. and a couple other people's work have, were, were part of why that Renaissance happened. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, in 2008, 2009 pinball was not cool like it is today. Right. Um, and so speaking of the word cool, so Dave says to me, Dave and I had always had, Dave, Dave was, Dave's an amazing guitar player. And that's how I met him. He, he was a friend of a friend and he would come over to Washburn and we'd go check out the factory and he'd bring sometimes friends by and I'd show him new guitars and stuff. And just an amazing guitar player and a very, very successful businessman. He was one of part of the group in the early eighties that went into Harley Davidson and turn that turn Harley Davidson into what the brand is that we know today. Yeah. Um, a lot of people might not remember that, but in the early eighties, Harley Davidson was just a really kind of defunct company when people were selling it out of their garages and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Not, not what we know today. So he was part of that. And he saw pinball as the next Harley Davidson. Uh, and so wow. he said to me, so, so he says, so, so he says to me, Jody, I really want you to come uh, and help me make this place. He used the word rock and roll cool, which kind of sounds kind of cheap. Sounds like your un uncle, right? Uncle, uh, you know, well, yeah, venture capitalist. It's hard to yeah, but, but you know, it's, it sounded, it sounded, it, it, I was like, I, I kind of giggled. I'm like, I don't even really know what that means, you know? <laughs> um, but, but, it, but okay. Um, we can, we can, I, I'd think about that. And so a couple weeks passed by and I went on some interviews at some guitar companies and I got some job offers and mm -hmm. it would have meant, it meant uprooting and moving again and, and starting over and, you know, again in a new corporation and I learned what cor corporate life was like. Mm -hmm. And so I called Dave up. I said, Hey, I, I think I want to give it a shot. And, you know, I went, I, I remember going there the first time, for an you know, not an interview, but just to meet the owner, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, this guy named Gary Stern, who's one of my best friends right now, and uh, um, I remember I walked. It, they had a smaller factory than we're in now. We're in a hundred and fifty thousand square foot factory. I think then it was a thirty thousand square foot place, real dump. And I walked in there, and the lights were off. The, the factory was closed. The factory was literally closed. Wow. And this, this was like at two o'clock in the afternoon, and 
uh, walk down this dark hallway and this lady's like, what are you doing here? You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm here to see Gary Stern. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, and then I went in and I met Gary and I, I'll never forget. What make you know, he's like, what makes you so smart? What do you think? What would you do? What, you know, you know, what, what do you think you, what would you do that I'm not doing? And it's kind of a, kind of a fitting thing for this podcast. I said, he's like, well, what game would you make? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was Metallica. Yeah. Just yeah. like, and he, and he looked at, he looked at me like, he looked at me. He's like, You're without any knowledge that you could even make that happen. Right. Like just, <laughs> Oh no. Who's the yeah. stupid fucking kid. I, then, yeah. <laughs> again, I'm still 30 years old. I am a child compared to these, you know, Titans of industry here. Right. You know? And uh, who's this smart ass uh, going to tell me how to run my company that I've been doing this for my whole life. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I got me. I mean, I, 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 I do some you know, ACDC. I would do, I would do, I mean, you doing Star Wars? I mean, like, I was just, you know, I'm like all these things. And he's like, he's like oh, you know, ACD, that'll never happen. Too hard, all these different things. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I started as a consultant there. And I was a consultant for about a year. And I really studied the business really hard. And I did a lot of interviewing with a lot of people. I interviewed everyone who worked there. I interviewed customers. I interviewed um just anybody i could to learn as much about what what we were doing and what maybe what we should be doing and, and all these different things just like what and and i what, what we figured out and what's very familiar to a lot of people is a good better best system we what we figured out was that pinball is not one size fits all there's different people that have different needs kind of like guitars right when in the guitar business right we have our cheap little import mm -hmm. starter guitar you have your higher end import and then you have your custom shop usa yeah. or something and some and some some something in between but good better best right and because because of what there's some professional musicians or there's some collectors mm -hmm. or people who have money that want the nice thing there's the guy yeah. who's buying a one for his kid who's not going to spend a thousand dollars yeah all, there's, people, there's people who won't get it if it's too cost prohibitive and you're kind of it, losing all of them by only exactly. having the cadillac or rolls royce or whatever exactly yeah. so what i found so what i found with our games were they were underpriced mm. overpacked they were underpriced overpacked and some people didn't want all of that mm. we had people uh so there's a thing in pinball called game operators these are the guys who buy machines and they put them in the, your local bar and they move them you've sent me pictures many a times of, of on, <laughs> yeah when, you know, i was just saying that to dirty donnie also i was like i always text jody if i'm you know at a yeah. pizza place in the middle of nowhere and i see a metallica pinball or a, yeah Totally. And that, that, that belongs to some guy calling an operator, right? And mm. the operator doesn't want all that stuff to be complicated and broken. And he wants it to be, he wants it to be fun. He wants people to put money in it. He wants it to play fast and he doesn't want to have to go fix it. Right. So he wants something a little bit more stripped down. Then you have the guy who's, you know, the, the super collector or the high end guy. He wants everything in the kitchen sink. And then the, then the we, owner of nuclear blast, he probably wants all the, yeah, Mark, the Marcus, right? Marcus buys every LE we have. Yep. Marcus, wow. Marcus uh, absolutely. And, He's a big uh, pinball collector. Right. And you know, I, I, I first learned this collector. on tour within flames 20 years ago mm -hmm. uh, in flames was, was when we were out with them, they were doing, they were touring the Clayman record and yeah, there's and a song the, on there hey, called that, that was you and Hatebreed, right? Oh, it was uh, In Flames. 
Nevermore, Shadows Fall, and Burn It Down. Oh yeah. And awesome. he we did play a lot with Hate Breed in that yeah. era too, but they had a song on, on Clayman called Pinball Map. And I remember talking to Anders about that song and he said the name not the song itself, but the name was about Marcus Steiger, the owner of Nuclear Blast, because he has a massive collection of pinball machines. Did Donnie tell you the collaboration I hooked him up with Inflames, the pinball collaboration no. we did? No. We did a picture. We did a, a cup, Dirty Donnie did, and you can find, I'll, I'll send, I'll get one, I'll get Gerardo to send you one if there's one left. Uh, for Comic-Con this year, we did a Dirty Donnie Inflames picture disc for, for Pinball Map. Oh, rad. How That's neat is that? Perfect. Yeah, and yeah. it's the... 20th anniversary of claim it was the 20th yeah, yeah. And, you know they did also so it was for i think they did a thousand copies and i got one sitting over here somewhere nice. it's uh yeah it was fun it was it was fun to connect them and anders is such a great dude and mm-hmm. loves pinball actually as well um got to hang out with him before corona and uh yeah anders is great bjorn is great those are the two guys that are still in the band from when i first yeah. met them and and the, and the and the and the the guys that play with them are class acts too the, the uh uh i think it's tanner and um and there's a couple other guys uh they're just night really cool guys and what a great band awesome band um but yeah they love pinball everybody loves pinball they love metallic also yeah and so it turns out um Metallica loves pinball, you know? Um, and, uh, so, so I, so I, as a consultant there for a couple of years, stop me if you heard this before. And then the guy who was kind of helping with licensing marketing left. Uh, and I said to them, I'd like to be hired as the director of marketing and licensing. And they hired me full time. And, but I was there full time anyway, just as a consultant, but I wasn't didn't really, really have a job. Uh, and so I, I went to work and the first person I called was my friend, Allie Wost, you know, Allie, Allison mm-hmm. Wost, Dave Brodsky, uh, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, my good eye. Yeah. I know. I know. Brodsky. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, Allie's is, um, like wife, girlfriend. Okay. Um, yeah, I do. You know what we've met and exchanged emails and stuff. Yeah. So she's I cool. Just... And a great guitar player. And I called my friend Allie who worked at Sony at the time. And I said, hey, Allie, find, find out how I can make an ACDC pinball machine. I, again, I'm ignorant, right? This is me. Yeah. This is, a, this is yeah. a skateboard team going to NAMM. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that there's companies that license stuff and all this sure. stuff. But it served me well. Because, or, or who controls all the rights to all the yeah, I don't know. I don't know imagery. And, yeah, I know nothing. The publishing, all the stuff you would need, yeah. I know nothing. So you I just know, her. hey, it says Sony on the back of their albums, and I know someone there. <laughs> exactly. And so, so I guess hey, so. that's a step. That's a step ahead of the average Joe. It, it, it well, you know, you gotta. It, what's the worst that she could say? No. So I call Allie, who's just been such a great friend to me forever, and and uh, she's like, oh, that'd be so sick, right? And I'm like, yeah, that would be so sick. And then uh, so she puts me in touch with this dude. He's now at Electroharmonics. I can't remember oh, his name's for slipping my mind, but anyway, he was kind of in charge of like if Sony ever made a game, mm-hmm. right? And I, so I got on the phone with this guy. I said, I said what, uh, how do we do this? You know, a couple things later, I'm on the phone with ACDC's lawyer. Uh, and like, I go I, <laughs> into Gary's office. I, I got you ACDC. And he's sitting there looking at me like, huh? You know, like, and, and like, you know, and then, obviously I had to get him involved. 
because I knew nothing about making a contract or anything like that <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. And, and then, so he got involved and he, you know, he went through and he, and then we, we, he, he talked to the lawyer and then they made a deal for the music and all the other fun stuff. We, so that was your first big, that was my first music, license. music game. Yeah. That was my first music game. And, uh, and people should understand without, uh, you know, getting bogged down in uh, the hundred tangents we could both go on. <laughs> you've you've done Ghostbusters, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, like a bunch of properties outside of music that are Yeah, I mean we I wish I wish that we could do all music, but not I mean but I'm a geek, you know, and I love Hey, that music. stuff's awesome. Yeah. I love right. I love movies and comics and pop cultures. I'm lucky. I I mean we make we're a Lucasfilm licensor, I make a ton of Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Um we're a Mar- Marvel licensor. We do a Marvel game every year. Uh, we just did Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. we, I got got to work with the Duffer Brothers, which was just incredible. You know, nice. you mentioned Walk, Walking Dead. I got to work with Greg Nicotero. I mean, these are like people. Like, like again, you know, I'm a horror freak, right? And yeah. I, I, I got I got to have Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger make me up as a zombie oh. for an MSNBC piece I did way back in 2005. It was for uh, Romero's Land of the Dead. Oh. I'll send you. Oh, that, I'll send you the video. Actually, it's on YouTube. <laughs> that's, amazing, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite favorite uh, of that episode. The the uh, the mechanic, great those, zombie in that movie. Those dudes rule. Yeah, and and, uh, um, I, I, and the, the Duffer I, Brothers. You know, as somebody who grew up in that exact era that the show captures in the same state. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, you're that, from Indiana. Yeah, yeah. yeah, from it from Indiana, and was you know the same age as those characters in the same decade that they're covering. So that it, show it, it immediately hard. resonated with me. Yeah, it, it it resonates so hard with so many people. I think that's why it's the number one show in the world. And uh, those guys, I'm just so I was just so honored to know them now and to have worked with them. And hope and I, and I hope I tell I tell Matt all the time make them fucking movie so we can make a game like you know and yeah. like 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 yeah. I, I want to I want to make a game of everything you do you know make something awesome you know like I feel like they're they're like the next generation Spielberg or or Carpenter maybe you know maybe a cross between both you know influenced um, by those by those people and then kind of putting their own voice on yeah it. yeah totally um so, so when you're when you're doing a game like the ACDC game which will take yes. us into the Metallica game mm-hmm. what's the process in terms of and I'm sure it's different with every band, but generally the involvement and the interest that they take in the specifics of the game, how it looks, how it plays stuff that's, you know, on the map. It's, it's across the board, Ryan, you're right. It's different for every band. Some bands are real hands off and let no management or, or their creative person handle it. Some bands are very hands on. Um, so in the case of ACDC, they were pretty hands off. Um, which was nice for my first experience uh, sure. <laughs> doing uh, yeah. uh, th- that, that was, that was nice. I only had a deal. I dealt, I dealt That's with like your first uh, cold call, your first sale yeah. or that first stand-up show where like, Oh, it went really well. Thankfully, you know, imagine if you yeah. had one of the hard ones right out of the gate. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I can, you know, we'll talk about some of the fun ones, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so it was relatively easy. Approvals were type of easy. You know, I went through the, I think I, I, I still, it was, it was unheard of. I did a deal. We did a deal with the lawyer. You know, nobody does, nobody does a licensing deal with the lawyer. And so like, it's, it, people were like, what the hell? How'd you do that deal? You did, did you do it with, so-? no, we did it with the lawyer. 
okay, whatever. So I figured out this way to do deals kind of direct with people. And, yeah. uh, so I cracked another code too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, and then we did it and it was, there's this designer named Steve Ritchie who had been retired for a long time, who we brought out of retirement. We gave him the title, um, to this day, one of our highest selling games. It's a very, very, very fun game. Um, as far as it looks, you know, so, so I think it's a little bit ugly, but you know, they can't, you know, pinball machines are interesting, Ryan. They got to hit on a lot of levels. Right. To be perfect. And what's perfect and what's fun, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. What is fun for you is not fun for me. But sure. Like, but like, I really, I really want a pinball machine to hit on a bunch of different levels. One, one being art, you know, and you talk to Dirty Donnie, right? And that, that's mm-hmm. how I met Dirty Donnie was through Metallica and Dirty Donnie changed the game in pinball when it came to art. And that was really cool. Oh, dude. Cool. I mean, he, he brought back the hand-drawn, right? Everybody changed, was doing Photoshop. He and cha- He changed the game and, you know, ACDC was predated donnie and so um uh so it has to have cool art has to have a cool theme you know it has to have uh something that make will make for fun pinball um and it has to be fun it just has to be fun and yeah it's either it's either fun it can be the coolest band or the coolest movie or whatever but if the game's no fun or or if it's over you know if it's too hard (laughs) if it's over immediately i've been blessed in the past 10 years to be part of 40 different licenses and they're not all the most fun game they're all fun they're games you know but like some are some are classics and some are turds or duds uh but you know you want them to all to be great so we you know again we've we've changed a lot of what we do philosophy wise to try to do that but but so so acdc happened Uh, i think we did rolling stones that was easy uh kind of generic and then my friend driver who plays for Eric Church, who is managed by Q Prime. Ooh, and this is and this is something that I think is a good bit of educational information that happens <laughs> on this podcast for people yeah. that are listening, that are like you know fans of all the stuff we're fans of and want to work in a creative industry somewhere. Relationships, man, and people don't understand that relationships and networking are not the same thing, because no. some people approach whatever industry it is with the idea of networking i gotta meet these people i gotta do that if you're coming at it from that careerist uh, self-interested standpoint i think that that only is going to get you so far because people can kind of smell it i Just, think it's more yeah, about yeah. surrounding mean, yourself with like like-minded people and surrounding yourself with like-minded want. people and people that you enjoy their company yeah not, not literally but they're actual like being well, around them versus regardless of what they're doing and trusting your instincts that those people that you enjoy will ultimately end up doing cool things just like you will. And that's going how it back, kind of comes full circle. Like, like it, you're it, about it, to tell me. You're absolutely right. And, and going back and let's talk about my dad real quick. Again, one of the tenants he gave me was people buy from people they like. And it cannot, it's not, and if you think about it in your own life, you know, uh, if you're a, a, a customer of, of a certain restaurant or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or whatever, you know, you have a sales guy at the music store that you like, or there's a certain 7-Eleven you go to to buy your cigarettes because you like to interact with the, uh, the guy behind the counter because it's mm-hmm. fun. People buy from who they like. And, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about is that. It's like it's, a great sales just, lesson in Tommy Boy. Sounds like your dad it, was big Tom Callahan. Yeah, he was, he was Tom Callahan. He's so <laughs> awesome. Um, so anyway, um so 
uh, I call my best friend driver who plays for Eric Church. Mm-hmm. And I've been blessed. I keep saying the word blessed, but I am blessed because I'm so lucky. I'm great. I'm really grateful for everything that I've gotten to do as um, I live the dream. And uh, and I was gra- I'm grateful to see a driver come up with Eric through Eric's career. Eric's just had a massive successive career and, and, and his camp has just been nothing but amazing to me and my family. And, and uh, so I called driver and I said, Hey, um, who do I got to talk to at Q prime to, to make a Metallica game? He's like, fuck yeah, dude. And he's like, you know, two seconds later, I'm on the phone with, I think it was a girl named Anna. I don't know if Anna still works at Q prime. Um, but she was Mark's uh, Mark, right? Is it Mark? Uh, what's Mark's last name? I can't remember. Um, Mark, their manager. Uh, um, it was their, uh, his assistant. Anyway, talked to her. I told her what I wanted to do. She was really cool. A couple weeks later, she's like, the boys are into it. And I remember, I just remember getting the phone call, just being like, wow. And then she's like, they only have one condition. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, you have to use some guy named Dirty Donnie to do the art. And I'm like, okay. Thank you for thank you for giving me one of my best friends on the planet. That was awesome. Right. So, yeah. I, that, so that was the cool. likelihood and, of the person they insist on using sucking. Yeah. Is very slim. It, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. You know, I was I was expecting to say, them say like Pusshead or something like you know something yeah. you know something more, more Metallica, but but Donnie over the past I'd say over the past decade represents a lot more metallic yeah, than 15 years almost, than some other sure. artists you know and so uh that was it and then the ball was rolling um i don't know if you know much about metallica controls a lot of their own music and of course and, and stuff you know, they, and in so, fact they they uh renegotiated in the 90s to get their mm-hmm. masters back in i think 2014 and my joke is always you know record executives then were like sure 2014 yep. we'll all be in flying cars who cares you know and then and then it actually rolls around and it's like yeah everything's on black and recordings they have their own pressing plant yeah <laughs> they make no, their they're, own ama- they're amazing they are the Incredible. most amazing they're the most amazing people and company the like, organization like, is just outstanding and ever, so ever been a so, one of the co- coolest things i've ever been associated with in my life and um so as you know they control their own stuff so picking the music was was easy uh it was funny at first i think they asked the band what music they wanted in the game and they came back with all instrumentals and it was surprising to me but yet i thought about it for a while and i'm like actually you know what that's cool that makes a lot of sense actually um because they're coming at it because they are players they love pinball um james especially they don't want to be distracted by vocals while they're yeah so I'm, I'm thinking oh they're thinking of it like as a pinball soundtrack like music behind mm-hmm. a pin. i'm like i'm like i could get behind that you know what i mean i think someone at management caught hold of the list and was like no 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 and then, <laughs> and then established a list uh yeah. of what was in it and i, I think at the time there's 12 songs uh, now there's 14 songs i'll get to how there got to be 14 uh there's 12 songs and then so we just started going to work um you know, and a pinball machine takes a long time. It takes you know a, a year or longer to make. Sure. A lot of a lot of design, a lot of iteration. How do you how do you make something that's not boring? How do you make something that incorporates the license? So the designer, I think, was having a little bit of a, a stumbling block, and I showed him. At the time, they were making that movie through the uh, is it called through the never through the never yeah the three D film which was yeah and, and so at the no, time it's they con- were making- part concert part art film. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like narrative story and, and, and stuff, and, yeah. And really, really, I thought, awesome. I got to see it in yeah. IMAX. It was neat. Yeah, um, I did too. Actually, Greg yeah. from Dillinger and I got, got to see it. Uh, it I wasn't an early only... cut, but it wasn't a finished cut. It was somewhere towards oh, okay. the end of the process, but it was, yeah, Dude, it, it blew was our mind. so loud. It was so loud. It was awesome. It was, <laughs> and, sonic, and sonically, it just sounded so good. But uh, so there was these making, I don't know if you remember, when they were making the movie, they were showing that cool stage and they would have mm-hmm. episodes about the electric chair and they'd have episodes about, uh, what's the door? Is it Doris, right? Doris, the, yeah. The, and they the, had an episode. And for all. Yeah, statue, remember? Yeah. So they had these little episodes about these gimmick, the crosses coming out of the thing, right? <laughs> so I go to John's office and I go, John, just fucking do what they're doing. Here's the game. Put all this stuff in it. <laughs> Here, put yeah. an electric chair in it. Put a, put a, yeah. pro, put a snake in it. You know, put yeah. a, put a boom boom. Put the death like, magnetic coffin. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know, the main feature on the game is we created, actually we created a character that Dirty Donnie drew, this guy named Sparky. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, yeah, he told me the story about that. He said it was just something he, he, he doodled on yeah, the chalkboard at HQ and then Hetfield saw it and was like, that guy's cool. Well, yeah. Old Sparky was old Sparky is what they used to call an electric chair back in the day. And uh, so, you know, for right, you know, uh, thematically, we have this. If you've seen the game, we have an electric have, chair right in the center of yes. it. And there's this character that the dirty Donnie kind of monster type of guy and his name's Sparky. And he sits there and his tongue hangs out of his mouth and he's he moves and bobbles when you electric. And he, him. And he hates Metallica. His he t- hates he has a t-shirt that says Metallica, Metallica sucks. Yeah, Metallica sucks. So we're trying to uh, to uh, to kill him. And then if you look, and then on to the right of that is you mentioned the death magnetic coffin. And on uh, some of the models, you can actually lock a ball inside that coffin under in a window, and you can see it in the lights. And uh, there's a the hammer from Injustice Dude, he, for he all. did that bus head hammer, but updated it obviously with Robert and, instead of Jason, and more in the Dirty Donnie yeah, style so than like, the bus head style. But yeah, it's it so. Was, I was really excited about that thing basically because you know Injustice for All for me was that was my album like I was I was introduced to that like I think 11 or 12 years old in like middle school you know still getting out of you know and it was a little you know I remember it was a dirty cassette tape that some kid in wood shop slid across and it's like Chris Spencer Perfect. I remember his name and he's Perfect. like you gotta listen to this and so like and so like just the liner notes and the art and everything in Injustice for All always always was like really special to me so so doing that hammer updated i thought was just so cool uh to your point um and then there, we put a snake in there that you know eats the ball and spits mm-hmm. it back out you know like for the black album there was a snake and then there's there's a row of drop targets that lead to an actual cross that comes out of the play field just like the the, the make you know their, their concert mm-hmm. where they have those crosses that shoot out of the play field and it lights up just like the one in the in the show and you shoot it and you get multi-ball All so right. thematically we kind of figured that out and then Donnie kind of just had basically free reign to do what he wanted. I don't think he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> I remember, remember I talked about the good, better, best thing, right? Right. And then there's all the different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's versions started, of the game. That's when we started pushing the limits of art and what we could do and how many things we could do with art and uh, which we've created. It's created kind of what we were doing today and uh so there was a master of puppets limited edition that is mm-hmm. just if you ever get a chance to see it i think there was only 500 made they sold out in like 10 seconds and they're just gorgeous wow. and it's there's that road case version there's a road case version which, and that and that came from an idea from the band uh they were like well 
because um, they have a, I can't remember his, I think his name's Matt, really great guy, works at HQ, and he does a lot of their photography, um, uh, especially on stage and stuff. And Matt was a real pinball guy, and Matt was a really great guy. And so Matt was like, well, can we do something that's not the, you know, the dirty Donnie art too? Yeah. And I said, I said sure, we could figure something out, you know? That has a photo yeah. of the man, right? And it ends yeah, up being his yeah. photo, right? Yeah. And yeah, and it's his photos, right? So which is great for him. And I thought that was awesome. And so, you know, he had these these four photos that we did. And then my buddy Stefan Jensen, I don't know if you know Stefan, he owns Warren Star Clothing and he's a just an amazing artist. He actually did the road case photoshopping. And it if you've seen one, it looks yeah. like you could it looks like a dirty like it looks like like you could go right up to it and touch it and you'll get dirty. Like mm-hmm. it's just a it's a really gorgeous piece. I really like that. I loved how they all came out and the game has been just incredible for our company. I think it was, you know, one of those games that, you know, like ACDC pushed it and then, you know, Metallica and Walking Dead and all these different things. It was one of those monumental things. We still sell it to this day. I got to um, play it for the first time in the artist area at the second Orion Music and Morphe. Yeah. I, I was there and, managing Dillinger and, and Ultra Parish, who both played. And I have this great memory, you know, I've told it on the podcast before, but, you know, uh-huh. I, got, I got to see when they did the secret set in the middle of the afternoon of Kill Em All. Oh, yeah, the Seek and Destroy. Uh, as, well, as, as Delane, named after the... Oh, or Dehan. Dehan, the, the, the kid yeah. from the movie. From the movie. And then the next day when they did their big set, you know, I, of course, I've seen them a bunch of times. But it was so special to... Greg and I were playing Metallica Pinball in the artist area <laughs> watching the band from across the field do the full production like big headline set and so cool you know cliff and peter back there and it was just i mean what a way to play the pinball game <laughs> well that that, that kind <laughs> of started many to... times since but that was you know that is that is the best play like you know we have there's one on tour with maiden we're not on tour now but uh, that started a trend of pinball machines on the road mm. uh, for, we even created a road case a few road cases that we'll we'll give to bands to to take to put and the pinball make, to house yeah, like, yeah like the trooper room you know um at uh maiden concerts has 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 a pinball machine you know and uh no it's fun it's it's neat to be able to combine those two things at at once it's really it's really yeah you go back to what you know my friend dave peterson said you know how do we make this thing rock and roll cool and i didn't really know what he was talking about but it's that and I kind of should have known what he's talking about because it's just that guilt, the guilt by association. It goes back to what I was doing back at crank amps or at Randall, like getting guys that I thought were cool that I looked up to, um, to play the gear and tell people about it, you know, mm-hmm. whether, whether it be through the back cover of a magazine or, or through a videos or, you know, social media wasn't as big as it is today. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can only imagine what, what I could have done back then with real, I mean, Crank was built on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> totally, it's funny. I associated yeah. it with MySpace because it was that era. Yeah, you know, it was that era. It was yeah. that era, and it was it's it was it's different now. But, but um, you know, it's it's that so so that Chinese water torture of what we've been doing for the ten year past ten years of of, of making pinball cool again. Um, you know, we've done a ton of music games. We've done Aerosmith. We've done Kiss. I got to do Kiss. Uh, and I remember asking you because you're all, you're always at Comic Con with a booth, mm-hmm. uh, shared space with the Nuclear Blast people, and you have uh, games set up that people can play. And I remember asking you one one year when the Kiss Machine was there. I was like, hey, so everybody knows that 
whether they own it, whether they license it, you know, depending on who you ask, that Gene and Paul control all of the likenesses of mm-hmm. the Spaceman and the Catman. Yeah. And I remember looking at the side of the pinball machine and going, those are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with this. I was like, I was like, those are that's all the makeup, but that's Ace's face. That's Peter's face. That's not just their makeup. That's their faces. That's their yeah, uh, and you don't have to answer on the record. That's great. But um, but I, yeah, but I, but I say I, that in licensing, there's a lot of gray areas. Yeah, and, and hey, as a fan, I would certainly prefer to have the original <laughs> four guys' faces. And I mean, what well, I would really love is a is a variant with the Ankh Warrior and the Fox. But that's just me. <laughs> that would be. No, 80s kisses. I love 80s kiss and I lo- I actually love no 80s makeup. 80s kiss would kiss. be awesome too. Yeah, if there was like an animalized Yeah, I love no yeah. makeup. I love I love no makeup kiss too. I'm just I'm a sucker I cele- for that I stuff. celebrate all well, the We years. we we, we, were, <laughs> we like Michael Michael Exactly. Bolton. All the space. All the all, all the, the whole catalog, yeah. So, you know, and so, you know, again, we uh, Maiden I mentioned, um mm-hmm. I got some really cool bands that I can't tell you today. I know when is this air? um not for a while later month from now probably i can't tell you but i got some really cool bands that are coming up great licenses um but that's what we've been doing we've been we've just been just slugging away trying to find the coolest licenses that appeal to the broadest market worldwide and you know sometimes we miss sometimes we hit sometimes we'll like we said sometimes we'll have a great license maybe the game wasn't so bad sometimes we'll have a license that's Maybe not as big, but the game's amazing. You know, Iron Maiden's a great example of that. You know, Iron Maiden is kind of a polarizing license uh, in the pinball, in, in, just in general, right? It's, it's mom, mom's not going to let it in the house for the kids probably, but she will let Star Wars or Deadpool or, or, right. or her or Avengers. Iron Man she, or, yeah. Iron Man, you know what I mean? So if, and, and music is polarizing, right? People don't, not everybody loves Iron Maiden. You know, so there's people that don't like Iron Maiden. But the people that like, do. Well, that's they're, their they're, life you know so they're, and they're and they're the best kind of people aren't they yeah. and uh up the irons up the irons and so 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 you have a game like that that maybe the theme isn't as big as star wars hmm. but the game is just out of this world and then and then you had nirvana with the metallica who is a i mean it's hard hard pressed to find people who don't like metallica really hard pressed uh and the game has just been outstanding it's a if you know there's a there's a listing somewhere of the top 10 games it's always been in the top 10 since it's come out wow. and uh it's super highly rated and regarded and they've been nothing but gracious to me and my friends and my family whenever they come through town you know they have they have amazing people that work for them you know dan the, and and Bree and vicky and and uh sorry and uh all these all these all these people that make their machine go um, mm-hmm. are it's really such an organization, a great organization. And, and, and also that reminds me, I want to uh, talk to you before we're done about, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like a little climax fear for listeners. Uh, tell me about some of those personal interactions with the band members themselves and the game. I mean, of course I know Kirk has done stuff at Comic-Con. I've interviewed him there. I've, I've run into him at the, at the Stern nuclear blast booth where he's had, you know, his various wares and he's done signings and so he's, on. He's, he's awesome. He's, a, so I know he's, he's a, I know he's been in the mix, but yeah. What, what's your interaction so, been like with the, with the guys over the years? Well, the um, well, uh, when we did the game, the guys were super gracious to all do voiceover work, uh, which is 
I don't think I've had a game where I've had every band member uh, involved doing voiceover work. So that was really amazing. And they really put a lot of effort and heart and soul into it. They even did it. I'm pretty sure two of the sessions were recorded backstage in Australia. But that's the machine they are. They could just have a recording studio. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it was somebody's job um, to make sure that they showed up at whatever time to do their pinball. Exactly. Yeah. And it was funny. And and if you've played the game and on the side, I'll send you the sessions if I can find them. But if you've ever played the game and I'll send you the Paul Stanley session, which is the best. Session. Oh my gosh, um, dude. You're going to, you're <laughs> going to make my day and you're also going to make Andy Beersack, uh, one of my oh, close friends. Oh, the, his the, day, the, if, the, I can, the, if I can the, play the, him the Paul session. The singer guy, uh, yeah. what's, uh, what's his Black band? Uh, he's a great Black actor, Red, by yeah. the way. Yeah, he is. I saw I, his, I, I, I saw that, him. I saw that, I saw that, um, whatever that movie. Uh, American Satan. Yeah. And there's a, really there's, a, there's a TV series based on it that's coming out at some point, too. Yeah. I, I, I read about Lorenzo was in it or something. Yeah. Right? Paradise Tanucci. City. Tanucci. Um, yeah, Randy Blythe is in it. Uh, a bunch yeah. of people, a bunch of friends. But no, that, I think Quinn. that guy's, I, I, I really think he's a great actor. I, you tell him I said so. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure people tell him all the time, and he doesn't. He's texting me while we've been talking. <laughs> well, tell 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 him. I'll tell him. Tell him. Uh, maybe I get some. I got some Paul Stanley coming at him. Um, yeah. Um, so, so um, where were we, Ryan? We were talking about uh, the band interactions. With the band so, so, yeah, so interactions so, and, and doing the, the so they voices. so they did they did the thing and you got and you really got their personalities of you know like Kirk's like like I remember some of the sound engineers when I got the voices back they're like well. Well, Kirk sounds, he, he sounds like a little lighter than the other guys. I'm like, have you ever talked to Kirk Hammett? He's, One of the many things I love about the band is that they're, they're like our Beatles in the sense that each of yes. them, that there's the collective unit and what the whole band represents as an entity. Mm-hmm. But then there's also these four, and I would say that, you know, including Newstead and Cliff and even yes. and Mustaine, you know, everyone who's been in the band, but they all have their very unique personas. And they it's the do. way they come together and they mesh that makes the band. But there's also there's the in, they're, they're individual thing, you know? they're individual cool people and yeah. like each is different and they each come off a little differently in their coolness. And there's Kirk, plenty of bands that are great that you love, but there's really only one or two people that have like that thing, and everybody else is sort of interchangeable, and you wouldn't stand, maybe necessarily recognize them on the street. But Metallica yeah, is one of those bands where every person is like their own thing. Totally, island. and, and not, none of them are standoffish either. Which I mean, right. James maybe the most because you know he's 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 more private than. Believe it or not, Lars is the one I've never met, and he's usually the one oh. where people are like, he's the oh, only one I've met because <laughs> he's. So oh, out that's there. funny. That's funny. That's so so, yeah. so you know so you had Kirk's voice was all like, "Hey man, how's it going?" You know, like yeah. and, and and it's him, you know, and then you have Robert's like, "Hey man, this is cool, right?" And he's because he's. He's Robert Trujillo from Sioux South Tennessee. Yeah, he's, he's so, he, it, it, Kirk is very Bay Area and Robert is very Southern California. Southern California, exactly. And then you had James who just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was just like, oh, he was, aw- I mean, it was just like, you know, as a, again, as a person who worships Metallica and just a super huge hero of mine to have to hear that extra ball and shoot again and and what that oh you really fucked that up and you know just like it's like holy shit i sent i sent one of my heroes something to say and he recorded it and sent it back like there's just something about it you know and uh and then and then you had lars and so lars is great so like if you've ever met lars or just listened to him seen him in interviews for example yeah sure 
he's just kind of like, you know, like that, you know, it's like the extra ball, man. Oh, you really, you know, and like, and I remember the sound engineer going, it doesn't sound like he's really into it. And I said, put it in there. Right. And, and then you hear it and you go, oh, that's like, you could see his face saying, it, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? And like, yeah. and, and then you put all those four personalities together in the game and over the music that's and then the, the lights are flashing mm -hmm. and it's, and it's Nirvana. It's really, I use that word, I use that word a lot because when you hit all those levels, and again, that's another thing that makes, makes that game so great. We talked about the things that have to be great in a pinball machine, mm -hmm. you know, great, great sound great sound, whether it's the voiceovers or the sound effects or the music that, I mean, it's music. And we just did, I'm just, I, I don't know if you got to see and you can check it out. Um, I'll send you a link. We just did a stream of the new heavy metal pinball machine. That is a little side project I did. And it's heavy metal as in the magazine, heavy uh, metal as in the magazine. And yeah. the music is just, it's just such an immersive experience. And it's just, other than that, it would just be a box of lights, you know. I got to be on a great heavy metal anniversary panel at Comic Con, uh, oh. moderated by the late great John Schnapp. Oh of, yeah, uh, the sweaties of the Metalocalypse fame and the. And I got the, to work uh, with. I got well, so, well. So that's interesting. There's a connection there to the Metallica pinball. So that's where Metalocalypse is how I met Brendan Small. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't, if anybody's ever seen the first two seasons of Metalocalypse, every amp is a crank amp, and there are a million of them because metalocalypse had a thousand million amps <laughs> right. in their house remember yeah and uh that was one of that was my, one of my big marketing coo coups back then amazing um and then so that's what but then uh met one of my lifelong really good friends and he'll deny it uh, if he's listening but brendan small and uh who has is actually the voice of sparky and the snake in metallica oh, wow. yeah that's right you know what i think i think donnie when i mentioned that too but i didn't know that until Recently. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and and he's gone on to help me with voiceover work in a ton of games, and he's played a lot of guitar on some stuff for me. And Brendan, me and Brendan, still, I'm really grateful and blessed that I still get to work with um, people from my past that yeah. I really respect and like, and have fun, and still get to create things with them. Although I'm not in the music industry, I'm not an MI guy anymore. Um, I like to, I'd like to think of myself as more of just a pop culture guy or a tastemaker mm -hmm. type of person. And, Absolutely. Uh, and all of that stuff is, um, it all comes together and there's so much overlap. And, you know, when you think about Dirty Donnie and Hatfield, uh, they've got the whole car culture thing in common. And then, you know, something you and I both have in common with Kirk Hammett would be, you know, horror films and hammer yeah. classics and universal monsters and what, you know, it's, it all intersects in ways that you don't necessarily think about if you were to put it on a piece of paper but no in life, but it's just, it does. It's just, in life it does you know and then we're our our really good friend gerardo has been a really nice linchpin holding mm -hmm. a lot of that together you know him and kirk are, are good buddies too and and uh, toby uh, I, I can't always forget uh, never forget to mention toby stapleton who was Kirk's he was at hq man. for years and years and years years and years. merchandise still, guy metallica used to come still do the comic-con stuff with kirk still i'm still friends with toby he's he's uh he's got a beautiful family up in northern california and uh uh no longer Gosh, i got yeah i gotta have toby on the podcast you should have talk toby to him in a while i think that's a fantastic idea speaking of podcasts that should people should be on i saw that you had um doc coil mm -hmm. twice the he's the he's the first return twice. guest yeah really oh i'm calling you out doc coil because i don't think there's any bigger x-man than jody dankberg 
and I have never been on the X-Men podcast. You got to be on there. I've been on there. You got to be you, on there. Right? What'd you think? Right? Yeah. So Doc, Coyle, Doc Coyle, me and Ryan are calling you out right now. Today, Jody Dankberg, X-Men podcast. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We should all do it together. You know, I'm That'd doing, um, I, wanna, I, I need to invite Doc. So Pop Curse, which is my original podcast and now the, the network of all of my podcasts sort of rebranded the, the flagship podcast recently where it's musicians talking movies. So mm. just did an episode with Spencer from Ice Nine Kills where we talk about The Shining. It's just an hour and a half of us talking about The Shining. Did one with the guys from Twisted that's coming out soon where we talk about the original Halloween. Oh, those guys are cool. Jamie and uh, what's Super the other nice. guys? Name? So nice. Uh, Paul. Yeah. yeah those, are so, those guys are cool. Cool so dudes. Nice. And, like then, uh, and then uh, Blothar, the berserker of Gwar, we did Robocop. No way. It's actually, actually dropping in a couple of days. Robocop. And, Robocop's got a good uh, pinball. There's a, a data, we were Data East pinball and we did Robocop pinball in like 1989. It is, wow. if you can ever find one, it is like so cool. So tell me because I want to buy it. It's so yeah, cool. I got it. Yeah. And you know what? I, I Man, we're going to run out of time again, but I, but I want to talk to you about just pinball in general because a very good friend of mine, Brian Balchak, we, we jokingly call him pinball track because he's gotten really into pinball just in the last couple of years. He's a big Metallica fan. He's just somebody I, I work with on a lot of different stuff, but he has the Freddy Krueger pinball machine. Ah, and he sent even, he took some of the, you would know all the, all the drawing yeah, for the all pieces. the pieces, but, yeah. but he took some pieces out and sent them to Robert England. Then Robert England signed them and, uh, you know, wrote stuff to him and, and, and he's, aftermarket stuff right dirty donnie and i were talking about this like people customizing their machines mm -hmm. you know brian got a little tv and put a little a freddy head on top of it and he's like oh got lights yes. and he put it inside his game and and that was my first real experience with knowing people customizing like that and donnie was telling me yeah not only is that a big thing but um but stern has gotten in on it you can buy stuff yeah. right from stern to put into your stern games if you want to get crazy Absolutely. And we kind of pick and choose kind of what we want to bite our head, you know, like uh, what we want to spend our attention. On. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you know, first and foremost, we're a game manufacturer, but we do have, uh, we do have accessories and there's some really cool ones. Um, uh, we do toppers that go on top of the game. Mm. You know, one of my favorites is the walking dead one, which uh, we talked about Greg and Greg Nicotero sculpted all the heads. They look, it looks like it, it looks like it came from the show and they light up when you collect them and, it looks like they're floating in water and stuff like that. So we do toppers, you know, uh, shooter knobs, things like that. Uh, but there's, a, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the community that do, you know, bootleg stuff or, or, you know, some of it's tasteful, some of it's not. Um, like with anything. Yeah. And, you know, and again, you know, it's some of it's, some of it's too low hanging fruit to, mm. to mess with, you know, that, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I want to sell. It's like the machines. custom action figure world, right? Like there's great yeah. licenses for cool toys and then there's some, cheap bad stuff and then there's really cool custom stuff exactly it's all yeah exactly you gotta so, it, it's all about taste you gotta have yeah so you know I, I actually started the accessories program at stern I, that's I, what I'm, donnie said yeah i'm i'm, I'm somewhat of, of an entrepreneur now um well you know i started as an entrepreneur starting my yeah. own company but now, now you're now innovating I, things within i start companies company. within the company and you know yeah. we're doing a lot of neat things um if you get to check it out and i'll send you the link I, i've just started doing esports you know we have esports competitions now so that's mm -hmm. a whole new part of the business you were the first person that ever mentioned twitch to me 
Uh, you yeah. and uh, my buddy Josh Bernstein has been on the podcast before because he's I spoke to Josh two days, spoke to Josh two days ago. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. But you were the first person that that was like you were show. We were at Comic Con and you were showing me. You had a guy who was big on Twitch playing Star Wars pinball, and you were like, "Yeah, there's thousands of people watching him play pinball right now." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, what? <laughs> it's really great." And we've we've yeah. we've been able to leverage that to really broaden the community. Twitch is amazing, and and uh, I would imagine you guys have a partnership there of, of some sort. Or um, know them or... our 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 ambassador has a partnership, and uh, and uh, and uh, it's really great. And then again, we do things like with our licensing partners, they have partnerships with Twitch. And, you know, like when we did, we just did Avengers and they did a big Twitch stream on the Marvel Twitch channel, you know, which is, yeah, it's great. You know, it helped if the more every day, if one more person finds out, Hey, they still make pinball. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Cause I'm biased because I live in California and I know there's like cool hipster pinball bars and whatever. Right. And, and I have friends in Portland and Seattle. And so I think of all those things as, Right. Well, you know, we're more we're, ubiquitous we're than it is. We're punk rock and we, we know, th- we know people and we know things, we go places, but you know, again, I always say it to people when I'm sitting someplace, you know, I said, I said, let's look around this restaurant or room. Ask, let's ask everybody if they still know about pinball machines. And if they do, where are they going to get one and where are they going to play one? Right. Right. And the answer is probably not a lot of them. So we have a lot of work to do still. You know, we always talk about me and Dave, the, the venture capitalist. We always talk about, we're still a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. we're not in the arena yet you know pinball was huge at one point in the early 90s i mean they were doing hundreds of thousands of games you know it was it was insane there was multiple companies making it um so i hope i hope you know i hope at some point it it, it blossoms into that and and uh i think it's a it's a slow it's a slow burn but i think people are people are rediscovering it and people are discovering it every day and uh we just got to pick the right licenses. And each new convert tells the next person and tells the next person. And exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, it's fun. It's, it's become cool. Like records are, records are cool again, right? Pinball is cool again. It's just funny. It's just, it's, um, I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think it'll ever go anywhere. It's just fun. Um, it's classic. It's a timeless sort of American pastime. Well, they, they talk about, uh, it's a bat. They say it's a bat and ball game, right? And that's basically what it is. So, like, you know, golf isn't going hmm. anywhere. It's a bat and ball game. Sure. Baseball's not going anywhere. And I'll tell you, for all of my life, if I walk into a restaurant anywhere that I walk in and I see a a pinball machine, a Galaga, or a Miss Pac Man, it's getting it's getting my quarters. Right. Exactly. Land. And I got to get I got a Galaga over here, so I don't have to put any quarters in it. What's that? Um, and what's that right behind you too? You've got oh, that's arcade a Star game. Star Wars Star Wars arcade cabinet from my guys at Arcade One Up. They uh, they're doing it. They're doing it. I don't know if you're familiar with that company. They they make hmm. the little they make the little. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and what what a great company and what great people and that what they've really done is capitalize on what we're talking about. Like yeah, that, that, making that, things that, accessible and yeah. giving people the selling people the dream, right? And so um, it's cool Love to it. sell people the dream. <laughs> 